about those three H's, you're, you're probably going to do pretty well on our team. And you're going to do well in terms of being on my team, because that's what I'm looking for in myself and in the leaders that I'm leading. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Download. My name is Travis Van Dusen, and I'm excited to share with you another podcast interview. Today, we talked to Brad Lominick. He is a strategic advisor and leadership consultant specializing in influence, innovation, and generational issues and business strategy. For more than a decade, he was the, the lead visionary and the president of Catalyst and, and is part of one of America's largest movements for the next generation of leaders. This is a, he was an awesome conversation Cameron had with uh, Brad on his book, Humble, Hungry, Hustle, and they just talked about all things leadership. Um, Brad has a lot of passion for the next generation of leaders, and you will be able to feel this and see this, see that through uh, the interview today. So without further ado, Brad Lominick. Well, thank you so much, Brad, um, for being on the podcast. Thank you for accepting the invitation. And it's truly an honor and privilege to uh, not only be speaking with you, but share your knowledge and your insights to our audience. Thanks, Cameron. It's good to be with you. and. Uh... Love, I love the podcast world. So, it's it's free and hopefully helpful. So let's let's uh, let's add some value. That's the goal, for sure. So um, tell us what you have been up to lately. Well, the last seven years, eight years, I don't know. I, I'm losing track. I've been sort of post catalyst. Uh, I would say in more of an advisory role with a bunch of different organizations, and still putting on some conferences and still involved in the event space, but not with only one conference movement and still writing and do a lot of speaking. And I would say just have a, I have a broader role in the, in the overall leadership landscape. And so it's been fun to get to play on a bunch of different teams the last eight, you know, 10 years compared to just playing on one team. And that one team was a great, a great season. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm, I mean, I'm a little more in the shadows these days, a little, little more under the radar yeah. and, you know, strategic sort of behind the scenes compared to leading something that was a bit more in the public eye as well in, in our little world, our little Christian leadership bubble. Yeah. Um, how did you get started in the leadership space? Well, I've always, I've always had an interest in the space. I didn't really know what it was or. I mean, from an early age, there was a, I would say, a, a, a wiring in me, Cameron, that was, that was motivated towards leadership in terms of, even at you know, in elementary school, and in middle school. I think, I think for a lot of us, we start to see it when we start to be on a team, uh, especially sports teams, and so even you know, middle school sports teams. I, I, I've. I just always felt the responsibility to step out and be in front, you know, be a captain, whatever the, in terms of career wise, really for me, when I, when I got connected to enjoy, which was John Maxwell's organization in 20, uh, well, been 23 years ago in 2000, that, that was the, that was the catalyst. I mean, truly for me as an individual and as a leader to be able to be involved with John help with a bunch of different events and then leading cattle for a bunch of years. That was, that was sort of my, in many ways, my Petri dish for 
for learning. Mm. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a strategic plan though. I wasn't, I wasn't sitting around in my college years saying, I hope I want to work for John Maxwell someday. And I think this is really important for young leaders is, is just say yes to the next opportunity. Um, I mean, I, I always will say and encourage leaders to have a plan, feel like they have a vision, feel like they've, you know, they've got a, a future direction. They've got these stair steps in place. But this idea that you follow the breadcrumbs, you follow what God prompts, but you also follow the the people and the opportunities to be around right the right people. Uh, even this idea of of who before what, you know, mm-hmm. the, for me the who was was enjoy. It was getting around the right leaders, including John Maxwell, and in his team. The what for me was was probably third or fourth in terms of the priority list. I would have done anything, but mm. getting around that that culture, that team was so important for me in my 20s because it gave me then opportunities. And we we put so much pressure and and focus on the who, I'm sorry, on the what, even the, you know, what are you majoring in? What do you want to do? Which are that those are important. But I think for 20 somethings especially, think about your who. Think about who you're becoming, but also the who you're getting around. And if that means you, you find somebody that, you know, Sam Chan for you, it sounds like is, is a who for you that has given you opportunities. And, and that's, that's always going to be my uh, encouragement again to young leaders is just find some people you really respect and do whatever you need to do to be on their team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you make a good point because I've, I've observed this myself where your young people go to networking events or they go to future employers or job fairs and it's more of like what can I get what can I get from them but you know I think it's truly about investing in those relationships and um you know not not it always being a take 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 it's like what can you pour into this relationship and how can you and the other person both benefit and the relationship that you mentioned is I appreciate that because it's a two-way street it's not a one-way yeah. Well, and, and, you know, this idea of, of, if you think about the who, the what, mm-hmm. the where, the why, and the how, just, just as it relates to career. Yeah. And again, we focus so much energy on the what, right. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's going to get you to the next level. What are you, what skills are you learning right now that are going to, that are going to help you stair step. And that's important, but I would even say the, you know, the, the where, mm-hmm. And the why, along with the who, are more important than the what. Right, right. Especially in your early in your career, because half the time we don't even know what, we don't really know what the best what is yet. We're still trying to navigate like the what, and but we we always reverse it. We always like focus so much on a you know a recent high school graduate or a recent college graduate or twenty three year old. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? What are you doing right now? What are you doing right now? What are you doing right now? And I would just say, who are you around right now? Yeah. Where where are you hanging out? You know, like get around the right people. Proximity, I'm telling you, proximity these days is a is a instant credibility creator, and it's it, it actually shortcuts you because so many people now don't even have proximity. So mm-hmm. if you're willing to do that, you're going to have a, more opportunities probably than you think you will. Yeah, no, that's so true. Um, so I wanted to talk about one of the books that you wrote. Uh, we're going to talk about H3 leadership. Uh, be, be humble, stay hungry, and always hustle. 
And uh, I've gone through this book probably two or three times already. And I used to live in the Caribbean, so there's still sand in here from the beaches. Um, nice. But, um, you know, I really enjoyed this book and it's always been a go-to to take out nuggets uh, from this. So I wanted to kind of talk about this book and, you know, what was really your main message of this book and what you're trying to convey and really your heart behind writing H3 Leadership? It's a framework for me. So it's, it's a leadership framework. Be humble, stay hungry, always hustle. Mm -hmm. I was saying that I didn't really, I didn't really know it would become a book. It was more of a of a phrase and a mantra that we had as a team at Catalyst over the years, both for me as a leader, and then I would also say to our young interns who would show up and want to change the world day one, <laughs> and they'd always ask, you know, how do how do I get ahead? How do I how do I win here? How do I how do I make an impact? And my my response was usually those three words. Like if you can figure out how to live out those three H's, you're you're probably going to do pretty well on our team. And you're going to do well in terms of being on my team because mm -hmm. that's what I'm looking for in myself and in the leaders that I'm leading. And you know, the I mean, if you dive a, a layer deeper into the book, you know this because you've read it. I was also like navigating a, I would say a a, a re recalibration of my own leadership and I had gotten to a place where I just wasn't I wasn't healthy uh I wasn't I wasn't necessarily toxic but I just wasn't healthy and I wasn't burnt out but it was there was a lot of stuff that for me that was becoming I would say stale in regards to my leadership and so the the story of the book is really me recalibrating and saying I want to I want to be focused on some habits that I can put in place around these three H's that will help me get to the finish line. So the, the, the person I really want to read it is a young leader. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm always going to focus my energy and time and I'm going to try to invest in the next generation. So if you're, you know, if you're 50 or 60, it still can be helpful for you. But for me, the book is still focused on a, you know, a, a 28 year old, a 32 year old, a 34 year old who's, who's still trying to figure out, well, what does it look like for me to have a framework that's going to take me to the finish line leadership-wise? Hmm. And take us through what the significance is of the three H's, the humble, hungry, hustle, and how do they contribute to our personal and professional growth, especially now that we're, we're talking to, to young leaders? Well, those are the three legs of the stool. And you you have to you have to have some kind of balance to those three. These aren't the only three. I mean, I'm not saying that that's you know these are the the three most important things, and they're the only important things when it comes to your leadership. But as a as a framework and as as buckets, three buckets or even three legs of the stool, and you you have to have those equally in balance. And you know Pat Lencioni, who's a great author, he wrote a book called Ideal Team Player. Which he talks about humble, hungry, smart, um, which his, you know, I love that. He also like talks about if you only have two of the three or one of the three, then here's the kind of leader you are. And um, so we're saying the same thing, though, is that you have to be balanced in your approach as it relates to being a leader. So I know, you know, again, I know leaders who are incredibly humble, but they don't do anything. And then I know some leaders who 
it's all about them. They hustle, you know, they're willing to work their guts out. They, it's a scarcity mentality. They, they want to win at all costs, but they, you know, they have no humility. So this is, these have to be balanced. And the approach is that um, you want something simple and repeatable and memorable, not just as a book title, but actually as a framework, you know? So this is, I mean, and you see sports teams a lot, yeah. uh, you know, let's, let's be humble and stay hungry, you know? And uh, so I like that as well. Just this idea that are there 10 things in leadership? Probably, but you know, can I give people three things that they can remember and, and then sort of like pass on to, you know, their team or people they're leading? Yeah, I feel like these are these are very um, essential habits to have as a part of your day to day practice and, and leadership. Um, but they're also very, very difficult. I know. I know for me, this is yeah. I struggle with all three of these. And, you know, so the first one talking about humility, humility is probably especially as a young leader. I know I face that challenge is, you know, getting to experience uh, leadership roles at a very young age, you know. Th those leadership roles can easily get to your head. Um, so embracing humility as a leader, can you provide like tips and examples of how those uh, that are listening or watching this, this podcast can really cultivate humility in their daily lives? What starts with self-awareness and this idea of, of you doing the hard work of, of not only realizing it's not about you and, mm -hmm. you know, th there's a bigger story, but also this is counterintuitive, Cameron, to a lot of leaders that to be really humble and to be, uh, you know, the, the best expression of humility, you actually have to focus on yourself. It, it, it's counterintuitive. And when I say focus on yourself, meaning I have to become a student of myself and be so self-aware that now I can, I can operate from a place of contentment and confidence because I'm, I'm aware of, of, of the kind of leader I am. And this is, again, the, the counterintuitive counterbalance always feels like, wait, you want me to think more about myself? You want me to work more on myself? Yes. Um, because that's the, that's the foundation. And it goes back to, you know, one of the, one of the habits in the book, this idea of the habit of, of a habit of assignment that you have to, you have to be clear, especially today that um, the whole premise that you have a, you're going to have 15 to 20, many people, even more than that, different assignments over the course of your vocational career that you have to be, you have to make sure that you don't get wrapped up your identity in those assignments, because then every time you switch a job, you're now having an identity crisis and, and calling just as an expression of, again, a, a good habit to put in place, a calling statement is, is the key connector when it comes to thinking about like, am I, am I on point? Do I have a sense of direction in my life? So even for you, like you're, I know you're a pilot, right? You, you, you're in the aviation world. Um, you, you, you fly for a living, but your, your calling in life probably, it probably, it probably isn't and shouldn't be that you're a pilot. Mm -hmm. Like your, your assignment is you're a pilot. But there's something bigger on your life that's a that's a why. It's a riverbank now that you can sort of operate in. Because what happens at, you know, 10 years from now when you go, man, I, I feel like God is moving me to a new industry or, or a new opportunity in a different world. 
you didn't lose your calling mm-hmm. and you definitely didn't lose your identity. Mm-hmm. You just switched assignments. And so many of us, I mean, I did this at Catalyst when I was running Catalyst, like the, when I left Catalyst, the, 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 the hardest frustration or challenge or reality for me was that I had to realign and recalibrate that Catalyst was not my calling. It definitely wasn't my identity and it was really only my assignment, but it, it had become my identity and it, it had become my calling. So then I was having this calling crisis incorrectly. And that's all part of the humility bucket is we have to, we have to get so self-aware and so dialed in that now we have contentment. And so many leaders, you, we've all seen them, like so many leaders not, not trying to be arrogant, but they, they, they live life in an arrogant posture because they're insecure. Their whole world is just insecurity. I'm not really sure. I don't really know what I'm doing. I I don't want to tell anybody that because then I seem like I shouldn't be in charge. And I think today it's just the opposite, right? I mean, when appropriate, like you you would say to somebody, "Wow, like I'm really struggling," um, you know, and and that's just a different way to approach leadership today than ever. Yeah, I think uh, you touched on some good points there. I think there are two elements of it. There are, and I've done this myself, is where uh, people end up having their identity in their assignment. And so they they almost lose who they are. And I think what's helped me is uh, staying true to your why and always keeping your eye on the why, on why did you want to move up into leadership or why did you want to pursue where you're at? And I think um, not putting your identity in your assignment because you can almost lose yourself and that's where you lose your humility almost. What would you say you're your calling statement is for you personally? My calling statement, I would say, is to make an impact in my generation and generations to come. Yeah, good. And I would say, so let's, let's, let's unpack this in front of everybody here because <laughs> uh, this will be helpful. Okay. So my, I love that, by the way. Great, great uh, general framework for your mm-hmm. why on your life. Um, and you might even say that um, if we were to really like dig down into this deeply, um, I probably would, if I was rewriting the book, I probably would add um, maybe like this North Star mission mm-hmm. or North Star, like a mission statement on your life that sort of is above identity. And it's it's the thing you'll never reach. So like if your mission is to impact generations, this generation, generation to come, great. Yeah. Then your then your identity is you know son of God. Uh, you're probably you're you're a son of of a of parents. Mm-hmm. You're a sibling, right? Um, you might have you know you might be married, have kids. You have like core values. By the way, core values are, are identity. Mm-hmm. So you you have certain things you really care about um, that are deeply wired in you that will never change. Um, I would say again as a as a Christian as a as a believer when people say to me brad but my calling my calling is to you know love god and and enjoy him forever well actually that's true for all of us so it's really more of an identity thing once you become a follower of jesus it it goes in the identity bucket yeah so when i when i start talking about calling then the the you know the vocational calling on your life 
what I would say then for you is let's let's make that a bit more specific to the way you're wired. Now, what we don't want to say is that your calling is is to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. That's your assignment right now. Right. Um, we we could say that your calling is to um, is to you know like to play in the in the aviation industry or to have an impact in the aviation industry. Okay, like that's that's a good start. Um, but I would say then your calling statement vocationally is going to be something about impacting people. You want to, you, you know, you, you have an ability probably to, to, um, to encourage or to equip. Um, you're, you're probably really good at, um, at like logistical things or whatever, whatever makes you a really good pilot. Yeah. Right. You have this ability to focus. Those are all like calling breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. So again, my encouragement to you then as you think about your calling statement is to just make it a bit more vocational specific. So it's 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 wide enough that it gives you room to again, you can be a pilot, you could be a leadership coach, you could be an author, which you are. Um, you could be a you could be a, you know, you could like work in a company as a executive. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can have your own business. All those then are your assignments that reflect that that sense of riverbanks, the calling on your life. Um, but again, when you when you say impact my generation and generations to come, that's great. I love it. But I would just say you want something a bit more specific around vocation. Like doing that in the aviation industry. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I'll give you like, for, so for me, my, my, um, you know, if you, if, if we, if we line them up similarly, similarly, and then just the calling statement. So I, again, identity calling assignment, identity calling assignment, identity, who you are calling the, the vocational why and riverbanks and then the, the assignment, what you do. So I'm a leadership advisor right now in this season of assignment. Um, my calling is to connect, gather, and influence influencers. That's my calling statement. Connect, gather, and influence influencers. That's what I can say on a plane to somebody sitting next to me, right? When they go, what do you do? Well, I connect, gather, and influence influencers. Um, now, there's, a, there's some more to, to my calling statement. Like if somebody was to say, well, you know, help me understand more of what that means. Which gets into really my North Star, my mission, which is to like I'm a catalyst, truly. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to be a catalyst to create kingdom change agents. Um, but but that's that's like the second level of my calling statement that I'll say to somebody once we've been talking for a while. Um, but I'm real clear. I'm real clear on my on my sense of direction, which then gives me the ability to be content. And I'm, I'll have four or five different seasons of assignment. Catalyst was one of those. Mm-hmm. I worked on a guest ranch in Colorado, like riding horses and playing cowboy. Um, I worked for a management consulting company. Now I'm like running my own business. Those are all different seasons of assignment. Um, but like you said, so important. Those different seasons of assignment should never, ever get wrapped up incorrectly in my identity. Mm. And that, that's where you see so many people struggling today with anxiety because because they they have so many options but they've never really allowed themselves to have freedom within those options 
Because even for the people who are jumping from thing to thing, many of them feel guilty. They're like, yeah, Man, I, I need something to connect all these. And that's, that's where we've got to be really clear on, on this whole um, identity calling assignment thing. Because the average 20 something right now is going to have 20 to 25 different seasons of assignment, mm -hmm. which is crazy. But it's just the new reality. Yeah, I think it's another challenge when, you know, you, another opportunity comes and like your assignments potentially going to change and you almost don't want that or hesitant to take that risk. And uh, sometimes you have to make that leap of faith and take that next assignment, even though it might have not been in your plans um, to be able to grow and you never know where life can take you after that. And, you, and you're exactly right. And you want to make sure that you actually now have have something that feels like it's riverbanks that now can that can connect the dots between the assignment you're looking at potentially yeah and the assignment you've been in other than well they're going to pay me a thousand dollars more i mean that's an okay thing to have on the on the you know on the list of things that are going to help me make this decision mm -hmm. but you know if i have if I have a sense of direction now, then I know like, oh, okay, that seems like it matches up with, with the things that I'm really wired to do, the things I love to do, and the things that God has put into my story. And those are the three pieces of calling that I'm always thinking about. Am I, am I wired to do this? Am I passionate about doing this? And is God really like, given me, you know, indicators that this is the next right thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are all part of this, again, the humble bucket, the, the humility side of leadership. And this is the, this is the hard work we have to do on ourselves. It's, it's self-leadership. We, we hear that from so many people. You know, you can't lead anybody else until you lead yourself. And yeah. so humility really is about, like, how am I, how am I leading myself well and creating a foundation? for the expression of my leadership. Mm -hmm. Let's let's talk about the second leg which is hungry. So how do you how do you do, define this idea of of being hungry and how can people like sustain and increase their hunger for growth and success? Intentionality is huge. The the premise that you walk into any environment and you're a learner, you're you get your mole skin out and, you know, John Maxwell is a great example of this. He's even at, in his mid seventies, he'll, he'll still show up in the room. Yeah. Wherever he is. And he, he, he's asking everybody around the table, Hey, what are you, what are you, what are you learning right now? What are you thinking about? You know, and, and he's the goat, right? I mean, we're mm -hmm. all looking at him going, John, you should be the one talking. Mm -hmm. We should be taking notes from you. But but his his posture is always that I there's something else I can learn from you. There's some there's something else that I can still get better at. And so this lifetime learner posture, curiosity is a huge part of the, the hungry factor. And listening, asking good questions is a huge part of the of the curiosity factor. The 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 the, the appropriate bridling in in a in a godly way, in a biblical way of your ambition. And and not like not lowering your your level of ambition, but actually like putting it in the right framework. That's that's part of the hungry factor as well. So all those are are crucial. And I, you know, the goats, the the 
the greatest of all time on the Mount Rushmore of leadership, I would say all of them, you know, depending on who you put on that Mount Rushmore, but everybody I talk to who gets to the finish line and, and you say to them, hey, what's one thing that was, was really important for you in terms of having impact? And they'll say, curiosity. They'll, they'll say, like, my, my posture in life of, a, of being a learner. And, you know, so many times that we walk in and we're trying to impress somebody. It goes back to insecurity. We're, we're trying to show that we belong. We're, we, we walk in we, and we think we have to give this answer. And I think the great credibility comes from asking a good question, from, from being the person who will, who will say, oh, tell me more. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? You know, and, and, the, and this is helpful. In, it's not just helpful for you. It's helpful for your leadership. If you want to get people to buy in and be empowered and actually feel like they have ownership, how would you do this? How would you make that decision? I mean, that, that posture of, of, of curiosity goes into like how you actually win people to your, to your cause and to your team and you empower them because they, they, they want to be able to say and have agency over where we're going. Uh, and so many times we just think, well, we just got to tell them. We got to tell them. We got to tell them because you're the expert. You're the know-it-all. Um, so I'll, 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 I'll let you follow up on that one. But this is, this is the one that doesn't take any skill. Yeah. It takes intentionality. Everybody can be a better learner. Mm-hmm. It does. I think asking questions wherever you're at, whether it's your people. One thing I'd love to do, I've always enjoyed asking questions of people that are way far ahead of me whether it's executives, people that have experienced it all, is asking questions. Um, and I love asking questions. And that's the only way that I've grown and broadened my own horizons is just asking, asking questions and being curious. You know, what, what can I learn more about this topic? Or what can I learn more about this person or this business? Or um, I think you said it right, having that posture of curiosity uh, goes a long way in in continuing to stay hungry. Uh, even you mentioned John Maxwell. I remember there was a social media post that came out a couple months ago where he was at one of his events and there was a speaker on stage and he was there up front writing notes. And you know, just seeing that is like amazing yeah. because, like you said, he's the goat and he's taking notes from another speaker, which is so awesome to see. That learning never ends, no matter how old you are. I've seen him. I've seen him taking notes on a speaker that was actually doing his content. And you look at him, and you're like, John, you know, this guy's like, you know, doing all your stuff. He's like, oh, it's good, and it's good, it's good. He's taking notes on his own stuff. Um, but the, in that, and that's such a, it's, it's such an, uh, it's such a, a powerful like attractor to other people too. You know, if you want to win with friends and influence people. I mean, listen, anybody who's in a one-on-one meeting, for as an example, with your boss, and you're trying to gain credibility, you're trying to show you're interested, you're, you're trying to you know, validate that you should be on the team. If you take notes, and this is, like, this is like leadership 101, but so many people don't do it. If you just take notes on what your boss is saying, all of a sudden you have you have like connected the honor bridge 
you've you've gained credibility. Mm-hmm. What you're saying to them without saying to them, articulating to them is what you're saying matters. And so many of us, like we'll sit in a one-on-one meeting and we'll act like we're not even interested or we're, or we're, you know, we're trying to figure out what we're going to say next. And so just the posture that I'm, I'm willing to learn, you know, I'm mm-hmm. taking notes on somebody, um, the, the follow-up I'm telling you, like, this is, sh- this is one-on-one shortcut on how to, how to, how to uh, have credibility, credibility with your boss or your peers is to say, okay, let me, let me make sure I'm hearing what you're saying. Cause this is really helpful. That and that and that and that. Because what you proved just then is you were listening. And we 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 have we've lost the art of listening right now in our culture. Yeah, that's so true. And I think there's another element I want to touch on too, especially with the, with young leaders is continuing to stay hungry. Is um, you know they have their goal. You know, I want to reach this position. You know, whatever senior leadership or executive leader. And once you reach that is to not just settle, but continue to stay hungry because there's more beyond that threshold of that you want to meet. And that was a challenge for me because I remember when I reached my ultimatum goal years ago, I thought that was it, you know, walked into the office the first day. It's like, I've made it, but no, there's more, there's more to go and continuing to stay hungry with your teams too. Even like asking questions, being curious with your teams. There's so much more that you can do to continue to stay hungry. Yeah, that's so good. Yes, you're. We tend to settle. We tend to settle um, when we get to a place that feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we've we were so many of us are wired. We're, our our thinking regarding learning is that we're wired to say, if it's not on the test, yeah, if it's not required for me to remember it, I don't care, and. You know, that's a that's a schooling, um, that's a schooling reality of learning. It's a it's a you know, it's a public school, private, I don't care. But it now, but in your career life, you should actually be learning about stuff that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're not if you have zero interest in the 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 place you're hanging out and the world you're in, I mean, you may you may still not be in the the ideal role, but again. Like you said, I can be in a role in an organization and then think about, well, what do I want to be doing five steps from now? And then and then reverse engineer a plan to find somebody who is five steps ahead of you in the role you would like to be in mm-hmm. and say, hey, can I learn from you? I mean, I don't know many leaders who are good leaders that won't, they won't respond to that and say, let's figure it out. And this is, you know, this is, it's just such a a new world that we live in that there's no excuses in terms of, if you have, if you have a a vision for where you want to go, um, there's lots of ways to get there. And especially today, more than ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Um, So the last one I wanted to touch on is the concept of hustle. Um, You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of association with hustle with working hard, being driven. And so can you explain like how leaders, how do they make, how can they maintain that healthy balance between being productive and avoiding burnout? Because I know I faced this uh, several times in my twenties. Yeah, and it's a fine line. It's a very mm-hmm. fine line, right? Do you find that? I mean, you found that over your career. It's yeah. a fine line between, between 
you know, overwork or burnout or uh, you're, you're redlining your engine mm-hmm. compared to the, you know, the maximum output you could create that also still is healthy. So there's not a real, there's not a real big gap between those two worlds. And I think, you know, you always, you always want to be optimizing to, to based on your wiring and season of life. Um, you you got to figure out like what that looks like. So in regards to the, you know, how is hustle, how is, how is, you know, I guess my definition, what I would consider to be a biblical definition of hustle different than even the worldly definition of a hustle of hustle. And, you know, worldly definition of a, of hustle is it's all about you getting what you think you deserve and not really caring if anybody else comes along with you. So it's, it's a scarcity mentality. Um, it's a zero sum game and it's, it's, I will do everything in my power to, to win or to, to achieve. And so that's worldly, a worldly perspective on hustle. Biblical hustle really is that it's all about others. Mm. So my hustle really is, is focused on helping other people win. Uh, it really is a generosity mindset. It's an abundance mentality. And it, it actually has to do with collaboration. It has to do with, with generosity. It has to do with, with margin. I mean, margin, it has to do with Sabbath. So are you crushing it at rest? Are you crushing it at sleep? Are you crushing it at margin equally as much as you're, as you're crushing it at your standard of excellence or your willingness to work hard? So I want you to have a work hustle mentality, but I also want you to have a rest hustle mentality. And, you know, the biblical, the biblical definition says you have to do both. You don't have a choice. The worldly definition says, man, just get it all as fast as possible so you can retire early. Um, and, you know, we, we just have to think different about hustle as, as believers, because that's the requirement. It's, it's such a broader perspective and it's, it's actually more balanced or more rhythm focused in its approach. Um, so I've, you know, I'm, I'm always going to, I'm, I, I know most leaders probably who are listening to this podcast are like you, they will over index on hard work. So my job is not to like, my job is not to, is to not to bridle you with your hard work. I don't want to, I don't want to say to you, Cameron, just work, don't work as hard. I want to say work hard and then rest. Have a, have a rhythm of life because you don't want to look at me and go, wait, you want me to like, you want me to basically just phone it in and, and not work hard? Cause that doesn't make sense to you. Same with me. So the, the way I, I, I think about hustle then has to be built around this idea that that it's, it's, there's a greater cause here. You know, there's, there's more to it than just winning. And, and that's the mindset that, that we're talking about in regards to your question. But listen, I'm telling you, man, you know this, that line between what's, what's healthy and what's toxic is so slim. Mm-hmm. And many times we don't even know it. Now, let me, let me just say one more thing on this, because I know a lot of young leaders who are, they're, they're, they're so scared of this line that now they're not even getting close to it. And that's dangerous. 
because what happens then is you throttle down your engine, but you also aren't willing to like work hard because you think, well, if I work hard for like two days, then I need a sabbatical. <laughs> or, you know, I need a, I need a six month break or no, you just need to work hard. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, and this is, this is my fault. I mean, it's my generation's fault. It's, it's the things we've created fault. It's not like that young leader who's 24 yeah. who's walking into an organization and going, now I just need to make sure I know that like six months from now, I'm getting a, a four week break, right? No, you're not getting a four week break, but we're going to work on your, on your rhythm of life. But you, you have to be willing to, to work hard and to do hard things and to fail to like uh have somebody confront you and coach you and be difficult with you that is not that that doesn't mean you just quit or you quiet quit or you move on or you get offended and then you like just jump to another job so equally as much that that is now like something i'm i'm trying to help organizations with because we've we've gone like the other way and out of balance so don't be afraid of that don't be afraid of that silver line again between health and toxicity. Um, if you're not getting close to it, you're probably not you're probably not actually in danger of burnout. You're you're just thinking it's hard. Yeah, and I I think that it's it's uh, going back to what we talked about earlier is not putting your identity into your assignment too, because once you put your identity into your assignment, you're going to you know, overwork yourself and it's going to become toxic because I faced yeah. that a couple of times. And I, I think this was another thing is when you also, when you care too much about your people, that you are just so much into your people and you'll do whatever it takes to take care of your people. And that's even, that could become toxic as well. Um, and you face burnout. Cause I remember I started a new role, brand new role, new environment abroad. And um, I was grinding it out just to earn that respect from the people. And eventually I burned out very quickly. Yes. And, and again, like we've got to, we got to be clear. We, we do. I'm not, I'm not saying you don't create boundaries because mm-hmm. boundaries are, are key. Like having, a, again, a, you know, even trying to say, well, how do I balance? How do I balance? Well, it depends on the season. That's Cause I, I promise you, if you're a startup, uh, if you're a founder of a startup, um, you're not going to have balance for a year when you're starting that new startup. What we don't want, though, is we don't want a lifetime mm-hmm. of being in that place where you're just like over-indexing and your spouse or your friends or your family looks at you and goes, I thought you said after that last thing you launched that this would be the new season where you actually like, you know, had time for your kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you got me, right? So it's it as long as it doesn't become a pattern, you're always going to have those seasons where it feels like you're out of balance. But that's why balance I think is just overrated. Mm-hmm. It's not about balance, it's more about a rhythm of life and it's mm-hmm. you know, it's it's knowing the season you're in and trying to navigate that. So um again, going back to young leaders cuz so many of them are listening to this. If you're in your 20s and you don't have a lot of things that you're navigating or stewarding you know this is a great season for you to i think like push into places where you you do work hard Mm -hmm. um because you got you got 
you've got agency, you've got, you know, freedom and flexibility. And um, so, you know, I, I, I know the tendency right now, the tendency is for all the 20 somethings to say, well, I'm trying to live a life where I say no to everything. Yeah. And I get that, but I would be cautious because you're the more yeses you say in your twenties, when you don't have a lot of things you're stewarding, the more opportunities you'll have to actually like find the best yes. And don't put that much too much pressure on yourself then to just say no to everything because you got one thing you're focused on mm-hmm. that, that can be just as, as dangerous as the other way. Yeah. I like that perspective you give on balance versus rhythm, because I think all we all focus on that term work-life balance, uh, but actually you want to have a right rhythm. And I think that rhythm that you have, it's different for each person, each person, you know, we all operate very differently. And, you know, you see a lot of books out there, people that provide, you know, all these guidance on how to balance, how to find that balance. But I think it's finding your own rhythm, what works best for your circumstances, your where you're at in your season. And I think also understanding your seasons, because uh, I learned this from Christy Wright through her book, Take Back Your Time, is, you know, if, if you're in a season of uh, startup mode, like you said, you're you're going to have to make some adjustments and you're going to have to put other stuff aside and put that in the back burner until you move out of that season. And then once you're in that next season, you know, you, you bring stuff back on the list and then shovel some stuff out. But I think understanding your season and not, not just trying to pilot, pilot, pilot on. Yes. Yeah. Good point. I mean, what yeah. season are you in right now? That's a great question. Uh, I think I'm in a season of transition. I've just been in a, a new role about to write my second book. Um, so I think I'm in a season of tr- trying to get organized. It's been a two month process of transitioning to this new job is, is trying to figure out um, what do, where do I focus on? What do I focus on and not trying to do everything all at the same time? And instead put, put uh, the 110% effort in only a couple of things and do them the right way and with high quality. Yeah, good. Well, yeah. And that's, that's clarity. I mean, again, so much of leadership and so much of even what we're talking about that I would say is helpful is that you're getting clarity. Mm-hmm. And clarity is, clarity is context. I mean, it's contextual. So my clarity for my season is not the same as your clarity for your season. Mm-hmm. there's some things that are that are consistent but um you know that that's why again it's it's there there's so much of the leadership sort of best practices that have to do with with you knowing and being a student of yourself leading yourself well understanding the season you're in and then properly navigating out of that and most of us we just shortcut we shortcut to whatever feels like the thing that is the most important to to think about and we don't do the hard work then of of all the you know even self-assessments yeah personality assessments i'm sure you've taken tons of them mm-hmm. um and my theory is take take more yeah. right always becoming a student of of the way you're wired and that even if i mean i don't some people say well you know that one didn't really help help me well it probably did at least in one thing and most of them are free Mm-hmm. online so you know you're not risking anything 
So that's, and you're always asking people around you, hey, tell me something about me that I, I may not be aware of. You know, what do I do that, that, you, that I don't even know I do, both good and bad? Yeah. Because um, what you're learning is you're learning, like, again, you're, you're, you're uh, the things that you naturally are good at or you're wired at, but you're also learning your blind spots. Mm-hmm. And most leaders, most leaders don't, they don't do the hard work of letting other people speak into their blind spots. Mm-hmm. And one last thing I want to touch on too is um, not being afraid to unplug. Cause I think um, as young, as a young leader myself early on is I always thought I needed to be plugged in all the time, you know, respond to this as, as soon as I get it, don't be afraid to unplug. I think the first time I truly unplugged was two years ago. I went to Bob Goff's, uh, the Oak Center uh, in uh, San Diego. And yeah. that was the first time I, I was, I unplugged and it felt so good to unplug. What were you, was that just you like hanging out there or were you part of a, a gathering or an event or? No, it was just, I went on my own to the retreat there with one of their uh, time that they had the groups and yeah. anyone could sign up to go. And I just I love it. Loved it. Yeah. And that's, that's part of my rhythm now on an annual basis is once a year, go up there, unplug from technology, unplug from the phone. And it's so refreshing to do that. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the power of hobbies mm-hmm. or outlets, man, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, don't, don't be so focused on the thing again, that you're paid to do or that you even love to do as a vocation that you don't have outlets for hobbies and you know hobbies keep you from getting weird yeah. truly like i, I want to know that some that somebody has outlets that they're interested in i don't care what it is whether it's gardening or it's travel or it's sports or it's you know the church it's uh friendships it's you love hosting people in your house mm-hmm. uh whatever that is like that's it's that's the richness of life and like you're saying the the beauty of being so focused is you get stuff done and you're a great employee. Right. You end up being a great leader. We we reward people for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the richness of life is so many times found in in all the different expressions. Mm-hmm. And we 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 give our when we're kids, when we're kids, we always can look back. This is why looking back at your childhood is so important. Because you'll find stuff that you 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 didn't have any pressure that you naturally gravitated towards. And then for some reason we give up on that because we're now adults and we're not supposed to be, you know, we're not supposed to do that. And that's the, I think, I think so many of the expressions practically of childlike faith is, is the living out of life with not only a childlike faith of dependence, but also a childlike faith of joy. And so many of us, we, again, we, we don't give ourselves permission Mm. to have joy to have fun to actually like be interested in things i mean i'm a i'm a i'm a history nerd so i like love history and i love like visiting historical sites um and people around me you know they're like brad that's boring well okay you don't have to go with me yeah yeah well that's so awesome um before we kind of close i really enjoyed this discussion on h3 leadership kind of like I was learning too during this this podcast interview, but um, I want to do a little bit of a rapid fire. Um, okay. 
So the first question is, what are you reading today? Or what, have, what are some most recent books that you've read? Oh, gosh, I'm looking over here. So I've got like, uh, I'm rereading, I'm rereading Good to Great, from Jim Collins. Yeah. And I've read it a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. um, I'm reading The Peace Index from Jeremy Kubitschek. I'm reading uh, Culture, here's some other books right here. Culture Code from, uh, oh no, Culture Rules from Mark Miller, who works at Chick-fil-A. Okay. Um, those are the two right now, so. Okay. The three, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, dead or Alive, who would you like to have dinner with? I think Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then last last question as we we kind of close, what is one thing that's that's on your heart for the young generations? Yeah, good question. I think I think that this this idea that we we have to we have to be willing to to hang out in culture, in places where we can create dialogue and have discussion. And it feels, it, it can feel like we're not, you know, standing on truth or we're, we're giving up our, our position. And I, I just think we gotta, we gotta rethink how we're, how we're actually walking into the public square. And this is both as a believer as a follower of Jesus, but it's it's also just as a human, mm -hmm. and and I I think there I, I see a lot of of great signs and indicators in the in the younger leaders that they're willing to do that. Like they're tired of the fringe, constant fringes, just lobbing lobbing you know word bombs at each other and not willing to not willing to talk, and you know the the, the history of of the way we get things done in the world was always that you could you could work with somebody even if you didn't agree with somebody mm -hmm. and nowadays we we put those two together we just look at somebody and go if i don't agree with you right. then i can't work with you and that that's so short-sighted it's it's not biblical but it's it's also just not it's not it's not helpful it it's causing us to like create not just two sides and fringes, but it's it's allowing us for not to we're we're not getting stuff done when we need to get done, yeah. just in terms of how we live. So that one for me is really important, is actually helping younger leaders to be savvy and have a again have a playbook or at least a model that says, this is how I can do that. And that that's everything from, you know. The, the highest level, levels of federal or national, international politics mm -hmm. down to the lowest levels of like, how do you actually like talk to your neighbor in your apartment building or, or in your, in your, in your cul-de-sac where your house is? Because they, they weed-eated incorrectly, uh, you know, and, and messed up your fence. I mean, truly like to that level, like, yeah. Compared to and nowadays, we just go well. We can't even talk to him anymore. What are mm -hmm. you talking about? Like you gotta, you gotta like get along and actually like have conversations with people. Yeah. So that that would be the one thing that comes to mind. Oh, that's awesome.
Well, Brad, I really enjoyed this this conversation, and I really hope those listening that we you were able to this conversation added value to those that are listening. And yeah, thank you, thank you so much for your time and in, in pouring into uh, this podcast and and our audience. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, if you're looking for this book, H uh, three Leadership, where can folks get it from? Anywhere, h3leadership.com is the website or, you know, Amazon, all the outlets. Uh, and, you know, the free, I'd love for you to buy the book, but also the one call to action I would give you is just listen to the podcast, H3 Leadership Podcast. You're already a podcast junkie if you're listening to this one. So that would that would be one to put on your list and, and uh, hopefully that can be helpful for you. And I really enjoy listening to that podcast and always listen to it and uh, really enjoy all your content that you you put out there. So thank you so much, Brad, again, for your time. And uh, thanks again for the accepting the invitation. You're welcome. Absolutely. Love doing it. All right. Well, take care. Well, thank you for joining us today on the Leadership Download. As always, if you love the content today, please don't hesitate to share it on whatever platform that you uh, are watching or share or listening on. And if you want to learn more about what we are doing on a bigger and larger scale, check us out at uh, tcadvisorygroup.com, tcadvisorygroup.com. As always, we thank you for your support. We thank you for listening and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.